parliament could have stopped the stage capture project, but they didn't, you know, because the ANC protected it by pushing back against the motions of establishing inquiries in, of influence into the voters and the motions of no confidence on President Jacob Zuma, yeah. you know, uh, and, and he actually says that the evidence that was actually given by Cyril Ramaphosa and the national chairperson of the ANC at the State Capture Commission was that the ANC MPs cannot vote against their own party president in parliament, even if they know solely that he is in the wrong. And so if this was to happen again, you know, uh, the ANC will not be able to stop it. There we are. Good morning and good day. Hello, everybody out there. This is Solimoing at Worldview, the number one media company. This is the place where we explore everyone's perspective on things that can broaden our own world view. Today, I'm talking finally with Mississippi Mabuso. <laughs> Mabuzo. Mabuzo and I have tried to have this appointment for a number of months now. She's been traveling to America, I don't know where else, and she's been busy trying to help South Africa sort out, get out of the mess that it's in. But it looks like it's a quicksand, Mississippi, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah. We've been threatening to do this for quite some time. I'm glad that we're finally gotten around to it. I'm sure yeah. there is a lot that you and I have to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but so just for those people who don't know you, I mean, I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't know you, uh, but Mavuso is the CEO of Business Leadership Salonica. This is an organization that uh, gets together. It is an umbrella body, right, for big business. Is it big and small business or just big business? It's just big business, multinationals, okay. and mainly JSE listed companies, yes. Yeah, I mean, the aim of it, if you say, if you were to explain it in one line, what are you trying to get these businesses to do? We really exist to ensure that the environment within which business operates is a conducive environment. So, mm -hmm. so the issues that we take up, whether it be policy issues or whatever else that we actually champion, advocate and lobby for, is to ensure that the environment within which business operates in South Africa broadly is a conducive environment. Because yes. you and I know that ours is not a conducive environment. Yeah, but conducive for whom? Just for business or because it's an ecosystem, isn't it? If it does, sometimes things work for business, they don't work for South Africa or for the people of South Africa. Oh, so how do you ensure this ecosystem works in a way that every part of it benefits from it? Absolutely, I like that question. So take the issue of structural reform, for instance. You know, we've been advocating at least for as long, past five years, you know, since we've been talking about the Zuma Must Fall campaign and since we've been trying to turn our economic trajectory mm -hmm. from the stage capture era, you know, yeah. we've been advocating for structural reforms. You know, structural reforms, if you look at it, really provide that conducive environment within which business should operate. But when you look at it more deeply, you know that this is what investors would like to see. Take the yeah. issue of SME reform, for instance. You know, you're sitting with, for instance, if I just look at the network industries, four network industries, three of them are dysfunctional. You know, energy is dysfunctional, ports and, and rail are dysfunctional, water is dysfunctional. So as much as it is businesses saying that organizations can operate in this environment, no investor can come into this environment as well, because irrespective of what industry you're actually going to be operating in, you need right. these three to actually be functional. You know, yeah. look at the issue, for instance, of uh, uh, the spectrum uh, allocation. You know, we all need to be keeping up with the world. You know, South Africa is still talking about 4G. You know, we have countries who are already talking about 6G. We still haven't even auctioned the spectrum. This has taken us 17 years, not auctioned the spectrum, but allocated the spectrum. It took us 17 years. So we right. actually 
Is it no? political will? Is it cater deployment? Is it is it uh, ineptitude? All of the yeah. above? What's, yeah. what's yeah. going on? All of the above. So the, the problem in South Africa is that you don't have a capable state. If you don't have a capable state, then it manifests itself, you know, mm. in precisely what we're experiencing, you know, as a country. Things that should not be taking us this long to actually get done are taking us, you know, exceptionally long, you know, because right. at some point, you know, this country, this government thought that it was a good idea to actually be anti-intellectuals, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and you saw a serious skills exodus, you know, at least in the last 10, 15 years, there was a serious skills exodus within the public sector of people who knew what they were doing and were replaced with people who actually don't have the capacity. But it's you know, the story it's of Africa, isn't it? It is. It is Do we have to keep making the same mistakes, stupidity all the time, over and over again? Can we learn from others? Absolutely. This is my deepest, uh, I think, and greatest disappointment, you know, with South Africa, to say that we are the country that has achieved its independence last, you know, in Africa. We should have learned about what not to do from our sister African countries. But we go on when we do exactly the same mistakes, you know, and we seem to be uh, uh, the worst of the bunch, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. We seem to be excelling, you know, of really. South Africa was actually the last hope for the African continent. We were what? actually supposed to be the tide that was going to lift all the other ships, right. you know, but we are also failing dismally. And thanks to, you know, some of the stupid decisions that we have made as a country, mm. we are now at the edge of being another failed African state. Well, somebody used to, people used to say Ramaphosa was the last hope for South Africa, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Look, uh, I, I, used also, I also used to be in marketing in South Africa at one point. I used to say to people, precisely on the basis of what we've just said, that we've seen these mistakes that were committed elsewhere we, we're going to make sure we my south africa is not going to make those mistakes i used to like to run around with my chin up and now my i'm, I'm so ashamed because we had an amazing institutional starter pack as a new democracy we needed to build up from that starter pack but we've destroyed it we have and 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 it's really you know a function of 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 own goals you know um um I don't think we actually realize the importance, you know, of, of having or getting governments to actually be functioning the way they should, you know, not just in South Africa, but in any country. And as you and I are saying right now, so I think that that was the one fundamental lesson that we actually should have learned from yeah. our sister African countries, you know, to get the government functioning as it should, you know, mm. because then if a government function as it should, then you actually have, you know, a capable state. At the moment, when we talk about the lack of state capacity in South Africa's case, you're talking about fiscal, political mm. will and technocrat capacity. That right. is actually uh, absent, you know, in our case, you know, and, and mm. leadership is absolutely critical in all of this, you know, you touching the issue of Ramaphosa. You know, our fundamental problem is that the center is not holding, you know, and as a result, this thing is coming apart at the seams, you know, mm. it shows that the center is actually not holding, you know, yeah. because government is actually not doing what it's actually supposed to do. You know, governments are what set countries apart solely. It is not mm. geography, it is not ethnicity, it is mm. not strong man leadership, it is not natural endowment, it is government. 
governments are what separates good prosperous states from bad failing states. So it doesn't matter what we as business, civil society and labor does. You know, if we have a government that is actually set and put policies in place that are actually going to separate this country from being from the next, you know, or push the country to be in a good prosperous state, then you get a country functioning as it should. Do you think in African, the way we run affairs in Africa, there's too much emotion? I mean, we do more emotion and rational or rationality. Maybe we, we seem to be struggling. We like hate you, therefore can't do this. But sometimes, I don't know, it's, it's oh, I'm so angry over the past. I mean, colonialism apparently keep coming up, but we're not becoming better people, really, really in the way we run. We're not saying to them, aha, uh-huh. you see, you thought when we took over, we'd never, we'd, we'd not do, we'd not succeed we're going to show you that we're going to say we're not we don't have that kind of drive we 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 certainly don't you know and honestly africa is where it should because our leaders are not what they ought to be so we can't you know the 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 expiry date has come of blaming where we are as a continent on colonialism you know because you just have to look at for the past 28 years, what is it that we've actually done? Actually, there's been a lot of erosion, at least in South Africa's case, of what we found working, you know, uh, perfectly well. I mean, the state-owned entity uh, entities are actually a case in point. You know, these were functioning the way they were actually supposed to, but we have actually eroded so much that we actually inherited. You know, yeah. the Gini coefficient, I'm sure when we took this country in 1994, if I'm not mistaken, Soli, it was about 0.56. You know, we're currently sitting with the Gini coefficient of about 0.67. We are becoming a more unequal country. You know, the unemployment was not what it, what it is yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Currently sitting yeah. at about 43% unemployment in terms of the expanded definition, where you have more people that are unemployed than those that are employed in all the provinces except Gauteng and the Western Cape. We are asking for trouble, so it's a recipe for disaster. Isn't it? Uh, maybe you have when you have the same bunch of people in power for too long, they get to a point where they think it belongs to it belongs to them. And I think when I listen to some of these political people in South Africa, especially the ANC people are dominant, they they talk as if South Africa belongs to them. They talk as if we signed up to to have one political party in forever in power, just like in China, and that's not the case. And and so so they become like. They walk around like heroes. They spend our money. They don't care. They, and people who South Africa still dance with them when they walk into the room. We stand up when they walk in. We dance with them. We sing with them. And then we vote for them. And then they, they do it to us over and over again. I mean, surely we need help. <laughs> Maybe we need more than political help. <laughs> you know, someone once said, I'm not sure who, that the, the length or the duration of oppression is always determined by the oppressed, not by the oppressor. Absolutely. So how long you're going to be oppressed for is never determined by the oppressor, it's determined yeah. for, by the, right? So at some point, you know, South African citizens, the electorate are actually going to have to say enough and no more. They did it in 2016. So they, when they actually yeah. said, Fuma must fall, you know, sure. we sure. this country being run by a shorter state, you know, and, uh, Zoom, the, the ANC had no choice but to actually uh, get Zuma to step down if they were serious about being in power. Because the electorate, you know, was not willing 
to take, you know, that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think this time around as well, when we actually want this thing to work, you know, because the big failure for South Africa Mm -hmm. is that the politics no longer work. So this is the elephant in the room. You know, let's admit there are just too many crooks in the ANC and they far outnumber the few good men and women who want to see real. I mean, if you're going to have elected leaders who steal food parcels from the hungry and PPE from the sick and dying, suddenly you know for sure that you have lost it. You know, and I think at some point we have to acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. as we said earlier on, the politicization of the civil service was a fundamental error, you know, and this is precisely why we are holding world records for all the wrong reasons, you know, as a country highest inequality, high unemployment, high failure rate of small businesses, right, right. one of the worst education systems in the world, the list goes on. You know, South Africa is at the edge of the precipice. And that is, you know, if, 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 if that is if we are not in the ditch already, you know, mm. and the only way that we throw ourselves back, you know, out of this quagmire is to not be diplomatic about our state of affairs, you know, mm. is to actually get the electorate you know, yeah. to really put the right people in power who can steer South Africa in the right direction. So I, I let me personalize this a bit. You received it a few years ago, the Africa Brand Summit Influencer of Influencers Award. That's somebody, it goes to people who stand up and say, you know what, this has got to stop. And you've done that and you keep doing that. Don't you get tired? I mean, don't you get, do you, do you, do you take care of your heart, your health, your hypertension levels are okay? <laughs> So if if we get tired, then we have to ask ourselves, what is the alternative? You know, so you and I don't have two passports. Yes, we can go and try and get opportunities elsewhere. But I know, you know, from the many conversations that you and I have, you know, South Africa is our heart. South Africa is our home. You know, uh, even for those of us who have actually left the country, the first opportunity that we actually get to actually come back to South Africa, we are going to come back to South Africa. You know, so we we, we still have a lot of fight in us to actually get this country right, you know, because South Africa actually has to come right. You know, so as much as you get tired, as much as you sometimes feel that you're actually wasting your time, you know, and uh, you, you keep on hitting this brick wall, and you actually get chastised, you know, if you're actually going to uh, uh, keep raising these issues, you stick out like a sore thumb, you know, because so many of us go into the room with these people and we are actually hell-bent on being polite, you know, and being diplomatic, on telling them what we think they need to hear. That is not the role of leadership, you know, the role of leadership is actually to have honest conversations, you know, especially in terms of the roles that we actually hold, because so many people in South Africa look at people like you and I, when we actually are sent to these leadership positions uh, solely, and they say, if we've got people like them there, then we actually have faith and hope, you know, that uh, things are really going to change for the better. You know, yeah. so you have to keep on keeping at it, you know, until we cannot anymore, you know, whatever that means, you know, but we actually have to ensure that we push, you know, this government, we have conversations that are actually going to ensure that we get investment into the country, you know, because through investment, then you can have the economy growing at the right levels. And when the yeah. economy grows at the right levels, then people can actually uh, start getting employed. We can only then do actually deal you know, with this ill of unemployment that we're actually sitting with as a country, mm. you know, and until we get that right, we cannot tire. We really, really cannot tire. So the other recipient of this uh, Influencer of Influencers Awards was Professor Tilima Donsella when she was public protector. We know she also spoke about it afterwards, that she was 
um, isolated. She, she, there was a time when she was no longer receiving invitations to government events. I mean, she was an important player in the South African, you know, environment, leadership environment, if you want. And people used to insult her. They called her spy for the CIA and God knows what else. Do you feel safe? I mean, do you do you need do you find that you need protection because South Africa is getting hectic? Look, I, I I think when you grow up in this hectic environment and when you uh, live in it day in day out, I think some of what other people might deem as 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 abnormal, you 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 tend to normalize, you know, whatever mm. abnormality that we actually live in, you right. know. Uh, but that's what I fear. It's normalizing it. It's what I fear. It's, it's, it's normalizing, right? And, and, and I think it, it's really a function of um, operating in what, you know, uh, for many people might actually be seen as an abnormal env environment, you know, mm -hmm. but you somehow um, uh, get on with it, you know, um, uh, and, and, and it is what, 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 um, what it, it is, what it is. Uh, yeah absolutely. so yeah yeah let's go back to the two things one is the the, the credit credit ratings um downgrading or upgrading also that it's happened a number of times in the past by the, the major credit um ratings agencies and now we're looking down we at this potential and is it the, 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 the initiative for transnational or anti-transnational what is it called global i wrote it down somewhere it's the global initiative against transnational organized crime that's what it is it's a big long name so they're looking down at us at south africa and what they're looking at is from the perspective of whether or not we are too easy for money laundering and we of course we, we understand what the dangers are of South Africa being the place where people come to wash money or where they can easily wash money that is used either to fund terrorism and other and, uh, uh, illegal activities in South Africa and around the world. Recently, there was an Israeli man who was arrested. Uh, he'd been here, I don't know, for how many years in South Africa. And it's very possible that there are many other uh, foreign, foreign fugitives hiding in South Africa, living at large. And the world is watching these things. International spy agencies and intelligence agencies know this. Do we know about it? What does it mean for South Africa? And sorry, before you even go on, that even the president of South Africa is the now number one implicated also for potential or possible uh, money laundering. So how do we say we don't, we know this when the president is facing allegations that he, he, he might have laundered money on his farm? I mean, like, how do we get out of this stuff? Yeah, yeah. So the potential grey listing on South Africa, which might actually come in February next year, uh, with the high likelihood of South Africa being grey listed, is is a very very concerning issue. So I think it, it if we get and terrorism financing, you know, and FATF was initially commissioned by the G7 countries, you know, during an economic summit in Paris, I think it was in 1989, so if I'm not mistaken, wow. as a temporary task force, you know, to develop policies and make recommendations that combat money laundering, you know. So in 1990, the FATF set up an international framework by introducing the 40 recommendations 
you know, on money laundering and all countries, you know, actually have to, 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 to abide by that. Right. So for South Africa, the process began in 2019 when the peer review of South Africa's anti-money laundering and combating the financing of terrorism system, mm -hmm. you know, uh, actually began and the report was finally released in October 2021 and it revealed serious weaknesses, you know, in South Africa's uh, anti-money laundering, you know, and, and, and the combating of the financing of terrorism. And in August 2022, National Treasury submitted a report to FATF on its technical compliance, and a further report was submitted in October 2022 to demonstrate the implementation of the recommendation of the recommended actions. Right. And we, we will know our fate, as I'm saying, in February 2022. Did you see that report that I submitted? Do you have I cite to it, or you can really see yeah. it? Yeah, okay. uh, well, the, 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 the report is in the public domain, you mm. know, and, and really the, 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 the nuts and bolts of it solely is that we are sitting in this position where we are likely going to be greylisted as a country um, uh, as, a consequence of the, uh, as a consequence of the state capture project or of the mm. state capture era. So, so out of 10, how much do you give us in terms of um, whether we are good, we're doing a good job? In, in, in terms of whether we're going to be grade listed or not? In terms of adhering to the requirements, yeah. To the requirements. So of the 40 uh, technical, uh, technical compliance uh, requirements uh, that we have to meet with FETF, we were only compliant with 20, you know, yeah. only half of that, right. you know, and we were found to be critically weak on, 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 on the other 11 mm. immediate outcomes. So they normally assess you on two fronts. They assess right. you on technical compliance and on effective assessment. Right. 40 technical compliance, you know, and, and 11 mm. uh, uh, immediate outcomes. And out of the 40, 20, you know, were non-compliant. Mm. And out of the 11, we didn't uh, right. comply with anything. Yeah. But the thing is with South, South Africa is that we tend to have the, the structures, the institutions, but it's not yeah. whether we have the institutions. It's, well, it's good. It's a good start to have the, the right institutions to do these things. But then we end up flooding these institutions with people who have no idea what they're supposed to do. Who, I mean, look at this. I mean, I give a silly example. The gentleman who was appointed the CEO of Juby Croats. I mean, recently with all the <laughs> qualifications, we keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I, I had was uh, the the this, the chairman of that organization speaking on radio, defending that man. That dude is indefensible. So we keep doing this to ourselves. Why? Why do we keep appointing wrong people to do things that should happen so the South Africa can stand up right? We actually keep on doing this to ourselves. You're actually right. So the reason why we're in this quagmire with FATF is precisely because of, 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 of institutional weakness, if I may call it that, you know, the institutional strength that we had as a country before, right. which kept South Africa to be, an, an, a, 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 what do you call it, from, from a credit rating perspective, mm -hmm. to be an investment grade country, right. Right. you know, those institutions are being eroded, you know, there's been, the, 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 the world is seeing a weakening of those institutions, mm -hmm. you know, because when you look at this FATF report, you see they talk about the fact that the hawks, you know, are not operating as they should. They talk about the fact that the NPA has actually been weakened through the state capture mm. project. They talk about the fact that, you know, those institutions that were actually supposed to put controls in place mm. to ensure that 
the anti-money laundering practices don't happen have actually been working. So we therefore, you know, are at risk, you know, because it means that if you want to do money money laundering wherever in the world, you know, South Africa mm. is, 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 is the weak link, you know, through yeah. which you can actually- but What are the implications money? then if we fail, if, if, if they report really, the output, yeah, it's very adverse. The, 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 the economic impact of it, you know, is that uh, it's a reputational risk, you know, on the conduct of the country, you know, uh, 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 and, and, and you, you have countries where, like, for instance, I think the UK is one of them, as soon as you are placed on a grey listing as a country, they actually put you on a blacklist, you know, so when they have to do business with you, right. there's extra and additional precautions that they actually have to do. It just becomes difficult to do business with South Africa, you know, and I think we, we might actually have about one or from one to three percent of our GDP being actually wiped out, you know, and, and from a capital markets perspective, there the, 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 the might be an impact, you know, in terms of what, what we need to, to, to uh, uh, or the, the, the restrictions of us being able to actually raise capital. From a funding perspective, as I'm saying, the EU and the UK particularly immediately have to impose a higher risk category on South Africa, you know, and that might impact uh, investment uh, flows. Uh, so uh, uh, this could actually reduce appetite for South African relationships, you know, individuals that actually engage with international financial institutions that are based in South Africa will have higher DDs to comply with. You know, because they are in South Africa. You know, so there are all these things. Yeah, but it's all under the jurisdictions who are mm -hmm. under intense monitoring. You know, and the country risk heightens. You know, yeah. so we are treated as higher. We are treated with higher scrutiny as a country, and and and, and I think that in and of itself is a huge problem. But you know, ahead of South Africa being downgraded credit credit ratings wise, there was all this talk about people are not going to put money here. Those people who are investing money that belongs to people who don't want to to place the money in countries that are risky will tell them to take the money out. I said, but I don't recall anyone saying, oh, because we downgrade downgraded this and this is not working anymore. It seems like these things are just somebody says, yeah, we're going to grade list South Africa or we're going to downgrade South Africa. But it, there are we live in a world where there are businesses maybe politics thrive or money thrives there will always be somebody who wants to do business with South Africa it seems to me and that is painful because then yeah. there are no consequences yeah yeah and, 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 and I was actually going to say that solely that you see the risk appetite you know of these countries of these investors differs you know so you might actually not be able to attract a particular category of investors but they'll always you know be risk takers you know it's like how you and I also invest we might say we're actually not going to play on the stock market because it's too risky. We're just going to do unit trust, right? Because we're a risk best, you know. But I think we we all sit on the different ends of the spectrum, you know, or along the entire spectrum. So who we might actually attract, you know, as investors might not be who we actually initially wanted to attract, you know. So investment will all, all always be forthcoming, but it is going to be at a higher risk, you know. It is going to be with, you know, conditions that might not actually be they be suitable, you know, for South Africa, it might actually, so we actually enter into the room with these investors and with these funders with our backs against the wall, you know, we actually have very little negotiation right. power. You know, then we go to, then we end up going to China and to Russia because they want to constantly give the middle finger to the West, right? We, we don't get funding from the IMF, the World Bank. Of course, we have gotten money and we owe them money. Uh, the New Development Bank, which is strongly controlled by the BRICS partners, the strongest of which, of course, are China and, and, and Russia, they will say, you know what? 
No, don't forget the West. We will help you. We don't. We're not going to interfere yeah. in your politics. Exactly. We'll just give you the money. But that's not good for South Africans. It's not necessarily good for South Africa because also when you look at it, I, I could be getting this wrong. Is it Zambia? Whatever the case is, they are actually at the risk of losing their power utility because of the debt that they have. You know, with China. You know, so those are some of, the, some of the conditions that you actually have to enter into. You know, we give you money. If you can't repay, we take over this institution. You know, so do we actually want to find ourselves in that situation? So, yes, you know, there'll always be people with appetite, but the conditions upon which they're actually going to give you their money is conditions that are actually not going to be beneficial to South yeah. Africa. We, 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 we just celebrated 28 years ago to say that we actually received our democracy. But through some of these conditions that we might actually have to uh, enter into, we actually could be signing our democracy away, you know, and yeah. signing our freedom away, essentially. Maybe we have just started. I mean, how much do we owe China? How, do, how, much, do we, how much indebted are we towards this guy? So what's going to happen if the ANC loses power in 2024? I think whoever wins must be such good that they, they're going to need more than one electoral mandate to fix South Africa. One electoral, if you get kicked out after four years, you wouldn't have done the job. I mean, assuming that you would have begun to do, because let's face it, whoever comes in is going to have to, to make us sort of some bitter pills. So we, you, you can't come in there as a sweetheart president or government, as it were, and some things people will not like, and, but they might be good for South Africa and they might vote you out for those things, not because because they, they, they're hitting too much at home. It's, it's tough. Like, I, I, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think that the E is going to have to be uh, 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 those strict rules that are actually going to be applied, you know, the one mandate that this person is going to have is to fix South Africa and to change our economic trajectory, and that is not going to be an easy fit. So it's going to come with a lot. So you can't steal so much money out of the country through the state capture project and think that it's going to be business as usual. You know, so we are going to have to face difficulty as, as South Africa. Things are going to be, become worse before they become better. You know, we are actually going to take uh, have to take some pain. You know, I mean, you're sitting in a country right now, I don't know if you saw, you know, on the 11th of January 2022, WEF released their 17th WEF Global Risk Report. You know, South Africa has actually been placed by WEF you know, as one of the countries that I think we are in uh, the top 31 countries with high risks around social or the erosion of social cohesion. You know, so our country risk has actually escalated, right? And I think they are citing things such as, you know, prolonged economic stagnation. They are citing unemployment, you know, as a case. They are, they are citing state collapse. They are citing failure of public infrastructure. They are citing the proliferation of illicit economic activity, you know, as, as, as reasons why we have actually been elevated or, or why our country risk has actually elevated. So to fix these things and to actually change the perception, you know, of the world is not actually going to be an easy fit. You know, yeah. so we are actually, we are going to need a hard hand, you know, uh, which is actually going to set South Africa right. And, 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 and honestly, if you ask me, we need it. You know, we really need it. You might mm. take some pain, you know, in the short term, but if it's going to mean long-term gain, you know, if it's going to mean putting South Africa back on the map, if it's going to mean that South Africa is going to uh, gain its status mm. to being the gateway to the African continent, so be it. So you, you know, need to also know how to explain it to the people. I mean, the thing is, we are such a diverse country with diverse needs, diverse economic levels, or you know, socioeconomic economic. Uh, realities for people around the country you're also going to have to be good at need to be good at explaining what you're doing why you're doing it 
to all of these people in South Africa so that hopefully they walk the journey with you. I mean, many won't, some will, but some won't, some will. Can we tell? You know, it's, it's, it's if you demonstrate results. Like, for instance, I don't think people care who owns ESCOM. I don't think people are married, you know, to the notion of these uh, SOEs being 100% uh, government owned. They want to be able to switch the lights on. So, yeah. right? So I, 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 I really think that as long as you can demonstrate to people that the, in, the interventions that you put in, they, they you bring in the private sector to intervene in the energy generation space so that your lights can actually be kept. That is what people care about, right? Yeah. So I, I really think that as long as we can be able to demonstrate that, you know, uh, we are good. You know, as long as you can actually be able to grow the economy and you start to get investment and cranes start going up and people start to get, you know, so many people have spent so much my poor people have actually had to take loans to get their kids to go to school. Those kids are sitting with degrees and are actually unemployed, can't find employment. So if those parents, if it means that those parents are actually going to see their kids waking up and actually being gainfully employed, you know, participating in, 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 in the economic mainstream, you know, and, and, and dealing with the 65% youth unemployment, you know, the people normally don't, they want results. They want to know, yeah. you know, what is the output? What, how is this going to actually benefit the majority? And once you can actually demonstrate that, then, you, you know, we are actually going to be good with the people. So as long as we, the output, you know, is actually going to be what people would like to see, then I really don't think that people are actually going to worry that you actually, um, you know, I am imposing some of the tough restrictions uh, because we, we we really need to impose some tough restrictions, you know, in terms of where we are as a country for serious about changing things around. So I'm going to zoom into you again with one more question. Uh, you are very outspoken. You speak well, and you you look the snake in the eyes and tell it what it what did you what it should hear. You represent business. We know that business is maybe generally shy to get into politics. People, say, I mean, we're not asking them to get into politics, but people say no, we don't talk politics. Do you think that these people stand firmly around you, the people who are members of business leadership South Africa, or do you find yourself standing alone? There's an African expression. It goes something like he or she in your case who gives her head to be used to break the coconut never gets to drink of its milk so so yeah. do you find that when you stand up to say this is wrong because you write much of the time all of the time in my experience do you have the support of a community business community I have the support of the business community certainly i think i i have no doubt about that you know but i think I really think that we can be more assertive. So when we have these conversations, you know, with our government counterparts, I really think that the conversation can be a little bit more robust, you know, in terms of the business community highlighting what it is, you know, that investors would actually like to see, you know, for the issues, for instance, of, I normally make an example with investment conferences, and I am no, I'm of the view that when it comes to investment conferences, you know, if it was my choice, I would say spare us the theatrics of making people stand on podiums right. and making commitments, because that is not what is actually going to deliver investment. What right. is going to deliver investment is improving our competitiveness. It is improving our productivity and cost of doing business, thereby enhancing the net returns for capital providers mm. who are investing here. You know, the compounding cost of regulatory overage, the barriers on skills, the labor reduction. GDP, the relative cost of levies and taxes, you know, the inefficiencies of our SOEs and municipalities, the high cost 
public sector and expensive logistics, you know, not to mention the hidden cost of corruption, crime and waste have meant that we have an environment where returns on capital in South Africa have sharply declined, you know, hedging corporate margins and South Africa's attractiveness to investors. To investors. So we need to make government understand, you know, that when these people make investment commitments, the implicit condition precedent when they make those commitments is that the most basics, you know, or, 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 or rather the, the most basic of those, you know, services that you actually have to offer as a country have to work. You know, the system has to work. The yeah. network industries, as I've said earlier on, at the very least has to actually be functioning as it should. You know, so if it means that this means government stepping aside. You know, I, I think I saw something the other day in a, a quote by Steve Jobs, and I actually thought this is actually very true of South Africa. You know, where Steve Jobs was actually saying, you don't hire professionals so that you can tell them what to do. You know, you hire professionals and experts so that they can tell you what to do. Right, you know, and right. I wish someone can actually tell that to government. When it comes to SOEs, for instance, you don't bring those boards, you know, and those CEOs mm, so that you can mm. tell them what to do. You know, you actually bring them in so that they can tell you what to do. Right. You know, so there is but, this notion But do they get listened to that they don't, these experts don't? I mean, if you look at ESCOM, how many war rooms and this and this and this and it's not going anywhere is it it's a it's actually now it's now they're becoming more bold they're saying to us uh, guys they, a few weeks ago they said you know you must look up forward to 18 more months of uh, load sharing now somebody mentioned five years it looks like it's going to be perpetual until something big happens and, and, and no kidding, I think we can actually forget it as a country. Forget about uh, six months or eight months or another year that they're actually citing. It's going to be more than that. You know, on average, at least it's going to be another two years and we have to have those honest conversations. So it can't be government and parliamentarians who actually say remove the CEO. Governments, of, I mean, even, even the appointment of the CEO and the appointment of this, right? Uh, it, 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 it can't be up to government. You know, if you've yeah, got a board, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these things leave the court to do what it needs to do. You can't bring it in and say, look at the, the, the as, as actually they did in ESCOM's case, mm -hmm. you know, come in and your first uh, order of the day is to actually look at the effectiveness of the executive. Uh, put them in place. If you trust that they know what they are doing, you know, mm -hmm. let them run. As long as the, 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 the performance measures are clear, right? The indicators. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it should be, they should be ones that will help us. I saw another quote that says something like every move inside a maze that doesn't lead you to the exit is a useless move absolutely you know define the true north this is actually what i need to see by this time you know and allow the board to actually navigate the maze the right. way they see right. it you know instead of actually continuously breathing down their necks you know so i really think that these are the notions you know these are the fundamentals they're the basics that we actually have to get right in the country as much as we're saying that i mean the president came on uh, on the ticket of trying to raise 1.2 trillion rands investor and investment you know into the country and so so we need to understand that you can't attract investors and overly burden them at the same time. Right. If you also look at the impact the, on the on jobs, job creation, I mean, you keep talking about these big numbers. We don't say, okay, so many people. I mean, do we have, I mean, what's the impact of that money if it has been raised or the, the big portion of it has been raised? Employment figures don't seem to be improving. <sighs> okay, look, let's talk about 
the another elephant in the room, PEE. What is your view on PEE as it stands today? I mean, I know the president came out about it a week ago to say it's not going anywhere. You guys misunderstand what Treasury has been trying to communicate, PEE states. And I'm thinking, oh, it's a political statement. But I mean, surely if something has not worked or has not worked as well as it was expected to, you can't keep threshing it the whole time over and over again and expect different outcomes. It's, it is, okay, I'm answering my own question. What is your view of it? <laughs> So that's actually a very interesting one. So, Soli, I think we need to be clear what we are trying to achieve through BE, you know? And I think, and, and maybe if we can change the name, then I think it can dawn better, you know, on what, you know, it is actually meant to achieve. You like know, rebrand it? Okay. We mean like rebranded. Rebranded or something like that. You know, I, I, I really don't know, you know? But then, you know, um, through PEE, we're trying to normalize our society because mm -hmm. ours is a highly abnormal society. And there is no arguing, you know, that we actually need to level the playing field. There is absolutely no arguing that our society needs to actually be normalized. You know, mm -hmm. for instance, at the moment, our focus right now as a country needs to be economic recovery, economic recovery and it needs to be attracting investment, mm -hmm. you know, because... Uh, 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 it is through sustainable economic growth that you get South Africa out of this economic rut. Mm. But when you actually have, you know, the current social structure, mm. which is a pyramid structure, where you mm. only have 10% opulent, 35, and that 35% middle class, we really need to get new stats. Mm. We don't have a 35% middle class. But anyway, let's take 35% of the middle class. And more than 50% of your citizens who are actually living in poverty forget about normalization. Yeah, but but, but, but we know that. We know that, that problem. We understand that. The question is, is PE as it is going to help us achieve that? But then PE as a policy is meant to precisely address that, right? But is it? So it's been I, there for how many years? And it, it's been there, and let's maybe agree that we might need to look at what version or how we actually restructure triple PE so that it achieves what it actually needs to achieve. But by and large, when you look at it, I think triple PE has also been hijacked, you know, because it has actually been used for people's narrow interests and nefarious, you know, uh, uh, intentions, you know. Mm. Uh, it has actually been, it, it has really benefited the few, you know, because uh, right, I, I think it's the endemic and the systemic corruption that we've actually uh, seen, you know, as a country, and it, it really uh, extends, you know, to all aspects, you know, of our country. And I think it sometimes hijacks these policies that were actually meant and were put in place, you know, with good intentions. You know, so I absolutely agree with you. You know, we need a version of triple PE that will change the social structure. You know, that will actually see. Uh, South Africa's structure being a diamond structure, you know, having 80% of our people who are actually going to be in the middle, because it is the middle class that carries economies, not the rich, you know, so if you don't have the majority of your people who are actually sitting, you know, in the middle class, then you actually see us in trouble. So we therefore, therefore need to ask ourselves, does the current version of triple PE, you know, a drive towards that diamond structure, if it doesn't drive towards that diamond structure, then we have no business, you know, actually holding on to it. If you take a 20-year-old South African white child, who, who was 20 years, they were born 20 years ago, they come up, they finish university, or maybe they don't, they start a business today. They don't come from a wealthy family. Do you say to them, you must give part of your business to a black child? So that 
I mean, like, it doesn't make sense to me. This racial, we need to talk about it again. I mean, Sean, if you come from a very, very wealthy family, how do you say to, to a white child, there's a future here for you in South Africa? Whatever business you start, because of some people who looked like you, over the things that some people who looked like you did 100 years ago, you must pay perpetually. It doesn't make sense to me. If you own land, we're going to we'll probably stolen land. Even if you bought it 10 years ago with your own heart and money, but somebody's going to consider it stolen land. We're going to take it away from you. I'm sorry. Come on. Yeah. You know, Soli, what we actually require as well, and I absolutely agree with you, what we actually require is to look at what interventions have we tried when it comes to triple PE and what you're talking about right now, giving up, you know, giving away part of the ownership, uh, ownership of white companies to black people. You know, we've already tried that before. Has it worked? And if it hasn't worked, why hasn't it worked? Because remember, the definition of madness is to continue doing the same thing over again, over and over again and expecting a different result. You know, and I think that is why the mining industry, for instance, came up with this notion of once empowered, always empowered, you know, precisely because they were pushing back against that, you know, to say that we can't continue to give up ownership, you know, and you expected to continue, you, you know, is the ownership that we're giving, you know, and, and when you give up this ownership, where does it sit? Is it supposed to be sitting with Busi Incorporated or is it supposed to actually be put in a trust that will actually be managed and actually be run, you know, by, by, by independent, you know, with very clearly defined beneficiaries and there is clarity in terms of how the error, right? So there's going to have to be a new version, you know, of how we actually do this. Because I think doing what we have done before, which has dismally failed, you know, doesn't actually make sense. So I absolutely agree with you. And that is why maybe Triple B has actually only benefited a few. You know, that is why it has actually been, you know, a, 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 an instrument that has actually worked to assist, you know, those that are actually... So, so a conversation is needed to say, okay, let's how how do we refine it how do you make it more effective without without with all the negative stuff that's come out of it that we've seen right and how do you make sure we have the right people to but but we also must have milestones isn't it you can't just say here's the thing we're going to do for how do you measure that it's doing and how do you correct like any company you put a strategy in place and implementation from time to time you need to stop are we getting in the right are we heading in the right direction what is working what's not working what are the corrective measures that need to but b just keeps going and it keeps giving the same people money over and over again so if the child of Patrice Matsipa and the child of Suleiman stand in front you say there are two black children they must get it but actually it's not and and and, and you're actually right because maybe we might have to agree that there is a certain class of black people that should not be benefiting from triple B anymore, right? And, and, and I think we definitely need to. So maybe there's going to have to be smart. There's going to have to be smart objectives that are actually imposed on triple PE. You know, how do you actually manage something that you can measure? You know, what is the measurement? What does good? What would success of triple PE look like? You know, to and I agree with you. Let there be timelines. So let there be targets, you know, let there be, right? So it has to be absolutely measured because then we can't continue operating in this vacuum and hope, you know, that we actually get the right result, you know? So I think that there's gonna have to be a little bit of more rigor, you know, in terms of how we implement it. But normalization, and that's why, you know, triple PE, maybe that's not the right term, you know, normalization, you know, is actually what is required. 
that there's too high level, too much high levels of domestic inequality. Those high levels of domestic inequality lead to social instability. No, but they have but not been helped by the politics of a country. It's you can separate them, right? The, 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 the perpetuation of the inequalities have not, if you think about the opportunity cost of the money that has been taken out of the system since yeah. say, yeah. 15 years ago yeah. or so, if yes. that money would have done so much difference if it were managed by the right people in the right institutions doing what they needed to do as in delivering their mandates. We have lost a lot of money. We can't blame a party for that. We really can't. I absolutely agree with you. You know, you and I said that we actually inherited, you know, a country that was, you know, somewhat functional institutions mm -hmm. that were functioning the way they should. And we've actually scored a lot of own goals in terms of eroding you know, what was perfectly functioning, you know, and what was working well. You know, we came in with a cadet deployment, you know, we actually uh, came in with this anti-intellectuals, mm. you know, uh, policy where mm. people like you and I would be termed clever blacks, yeah. you know, and were pushed out of yeah. government. Yeah. You know, we actually came with a stage capture project, you know, that actually led South Africa mm. to be where it is. There's no white man that you can actually blame for that. Even mm. if businesses were complicit in the stage capture project, but it was this government that actually allowed, you know, so the state capital has more responsibility. When you and I take an oath of office to serve the South African public, you know, and we became, and, 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 and we decide to become, you know, uh, civil servants, yeah. you know, and we take that oath, you know, we, we're responsible for state capital and state capital has got more responsibility. Then mm. if there is actually private capital that seeks to corrupt us, we have an obligation because we have made an oath. We have sworn that we're actually going to defend mm. South Africa Inc. and its people. We actually have to push back against private capital to say you are not going to actually rent or actually do corruption here. You know, we are not, we should be incorruptible. As civil yeah. servants, that is a problem. If you allow the private sector in, you know, then you actually have to say what kind of state. Look at what kind of state capital mm. you actually have. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that we have a president. Uh, not perspective. Every president that we've had since 28 years, uh, Mandela was better and big somewhat. Uh, has to be the president of the political party that has become a monster, and the Republic of South Africa. So they, 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 they pledge allegiance to the constitution, but they serve party more than the constitution. And that is a big problem because what's good for South Africa is not good for the ANC. What's good for the ANC is not good for South Africa. You, you know, when you say that, um, I listened to, we had a conversation, what is it, it's November now, it must have been in August, or it must have been in September, you know, at the, at the, at the um, Sentin Convention Center organized by News24, and we're looking at these issues, you know, and the person who gave the keynote address was Judge Raymond Zondo. You know, right. and Judge Raymond Zondo actually at the end of his presentation was actually talking about the fact that um, um, he's worried that if South Africa were to have a, 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 a second version of the state capture project, he doesn't think that we're actually going to do anything differently. You know, he said parliament could have stopped the state capture project, but they didn't, you know, because the ANC protected it by pushing back against the motions of establishing inquiries in, of influence into the voters and the motions of no confidence on President Jacob Zuma. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and he actually says that the evidence that was actually given by Cyril Ramaphosa and the national chairperson of the ANC at the State Capture Commission was that the ANC MPs cannot vote against their own party president in parliament, even if they know solely that he is in the wrong. 
And so if this was to happen again, you know, uh, the ANC will not be able to stop it. You know, Palapala. Palapala. They will defend Ramaphosa on Palapala. They will continue to defend it because yeah. this is what they actually have sworn to, you know, that mm. you cannot actually, you know, go against a Ramaphosa or a Zuma, even yeah. if you know that they are in the wrong. So yeah. that actually left a very huge question mark in my head, you yeah. know, and I think this is precisely what you're talking about. Because you know, those people, yeah. Because those people are not public representatives, they are party representatives. That's what we should call them. That's what the, everything they do is to defend party ahead of state of country. And that is painful. We're going to, I don't want us to run out of time. There are two things. One, I wrote an article recently saying that uh, we probably need some kind of uh, truth and reconciliation commission of sorts. Don't think about the one that failed regarding business. You know, a lot of times when we talk about corruption in South Africa. We talk about people in the private sector, in government, sorry, in government mostly. Of course, they've been talking about people in the private sector. There's been partnerships between private people and public people. Instantly, the banks, a lot of money has gone through the banks of South Africa. They have not come out to say, you know what, we're sorry, these are the measures we put in place to make sure it never happened again. There's a lot of money. The audit profession still owes us a, an, an apology. I work as a teacher, okay? I get paid as a teacher I work outside of South Africa into my standard bank account. It's not a lot of money. You know, South banks, teachers don't earn a lot of money by definition. Each time I get paid, and it's a part-time job, each time I get paid, I get a letter from the standard bank to say, hey, what is this for? Come on. Are they like, this money I could take someone to dinner twice and it's gone. But the Guptas and all these people who are linked to the ANC yeah. have stolen yeah. millions of of reds. Yeah. The banks have done. There's no indication that they've been stopped. Why? Yeah, yeah. And and look, so you would know that Business Leadership South Africa is the first organization that actually raised its hand and said that we are in business because business was complicit. You know, we are the first institution that actually put in place you know, the, 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 oh, why is the name running away from me? But, you, you know, this integrity pledge, you know, where we actually said to our businesses, you are going to conduct your business in an ethical manner or else, you know, or else you actually don't uh, have the right to sit amongst us, you know, mm -hmm. as, as business leaders, you know, so you're absolutely right. Business as a grouping that has lead us to economic power has a special responsibility, you know, to actually ensure, I think even with the issue of social economic transformation, you know, it's mm. not government's problem, it's South Africa's problem. And mm. business actually has to actually come to the party. And I absolutely agree with you, you know, business has a case to answer for, and we should be made to actually answer for that case. You know, so those who are actually involved in the, so I were saying earlier on that state capital has got more responsibility and we actually, state capital has to actually protect you know, uh, because they actually made, you know, a, 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 they, they, they took a vow, you know, mm -hmm. to actually protect the South African citizens and its, mm -hmm. and, 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 and its interests. But then, you know, if, if businesses were actually complicit and were actually corrupted the state, you know, we can't say that it is government's problem. It is definitely businesses' problem as well. You know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and we, 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 we actually always say, you know, to these businesses that were involved that you actually have to go and open criminal cases, you know, mm -hmm. against these people. You actually have to have a zero, zero tolerance approach against executives that are actually involved, you know, in these nefarious activities. You know, there actually has to be a clear 
a, a, a posture that we take as business when we actually deal you know, with these issues. Yeah. But unfortunately, all we can do is open criminal cases against them, which is up to the state to ensure well, that so as much as we say that Zuma has to have his, have his day in court and yeah. all those other politicians, you know, where Marcus Yoster has to have his day in court, you know, and all those business executives that are actually involved have to have their day in court, you know. Yeah. So when it comes to corruption, you know, there are no levers yeah. or there are no... So Vittoria Masson of Bain and Company fled to Italy after the mess happened. Nobody's People pretend not Absolutely. to remember that he was there in the, in the heart of things with Tom Moyani. Nothing is Absolutely. happening. And I'm hoping that the South African authorities are actually talking to the Italian government, if that's where it is, you know, to actually get him extradited in South yeah. Africa so that he can actually answer for his case in South Africa. Because otherwise, you know, it doesn't help this notion that you currently have in the country, you know, where, you know, this white monopoly capital camp precisely comes from things like this, you know, to say that you think you can actually live by different standards, you know, you think that you can, right, and, and, and by and large, that is how, you know, businesses, we struggle to position businesses as a national asset precisely because, you know, of, of, of these double standards right, that people right. actually... So maybe business so, learn, needs to learn to put public interest and values, clear values, at the heart of what it does. It's not just about profit, profit, profit making. I, I mean, you see, touch on it earlier, government does have a role to play. It must. The capital is there to create value traditionally for shareholders. Now we're talking about stakeholders, the community, society, the world, you know, green issues are important. But government must also play the part it must to, to bring a bit of heart into, into, into capitalism, right? Because there are yes. pure people, how do we create an environment where they can also feel that they're humans? They're not isolated because they, they can't buy bread to put on the table. So I think for the past few years now, the world has been talking about this notion of stakeholder capitalism, of conscious capitalism, you know, the notion of values-based leadership, you know, uh, and, 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 and I think you, you, you're absolutely right, you know, I think now is the time, especially I think after the COVID pandemic, I think we realized as business, we realized as a world, you know, that uh, uh, the vulnerability of certain segments of society creates the vulnerability for all of us. You know, yeah. COVID put us in sure. uh, all on one platform. You know, there wasn't business, there wasn't money, there wasn't poor, there wasn't, you know, we were all just as vulnerable. Mm. So more importantly, business therefore has a responsibility because in all honesty, when you look at it as well, what we achieved, especially as South Africa in 1994 was democracy. Democracy is a political system. It is not justice, neither is it equality. So how does business therefore usher in this notion of justice and equality, you know, through conscious capitalism, through stakeholder capitalism, you know, because we cannot make the fundamental mistake of thinking that what we achieved in 1994 was justice and it was equality. We still have that chapter that is yet to be written. You know, the World Bank once issued, you know, this, uh, this, this book or was it a paper, I think a few years ago, which called, which was called it's South Africa, the incomplete transition. You know, our transition is incomplete right. precisely right. because, you know, we still haven't ushered in justice and equality yeah. and business as a responsibility alongside government, you know, to mm. see how we usher that in. Okay. So lastly, let's talk about your article. I thought it was really fascinating. It is true. It's such a the topic of um, the how the South African and political and oh no, economic environment is becoming balkanized. You've got the taxi industry, you've got people with the coal, the mining construction construction mafia, the mining mafia. You've got mafias all over the place taking up pieces of South Africa. 
for themselves and there are no consequences so we're to getting away to be getting away with it the more they do it the more they get the police the government is not saying anything what is it can where it's almost like like a bucket with lots of holes south africa where do we start what must government do yeah no i i think it's a very it's really a function that we've been talking about earlier on solely of weakened institutions you know you have institutions that have actually been put in place to achieve x but because they've been weakened, because they don't have the know-how, because they don't have the right people who can actually drive the institutions, they are not actually achieving what they actually need to achieve. You know, but I think you know it, it's really, really a, a huge concern. You know, uh, we are sitting in a country where we are actually trying to raise investment. If it's going to be made so difficult, you know, for investment to land here or for businesses to operate, you know, because of these extortion syndicates, which are becoming increasingly uh, brazen, you know, uh, 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 it's really going to be difficult. So we therefore have to have a conversation around, you know, uh, what does intervention mean? You know, how are we actually going to deal with this issue? Uh, because I think it is just, you know, growing. It is actually just arising, you know, but I think it's also this function of, you know, uh, when you're looking at, you have way too many people who have nothing to lose in this country, you know, uh, so and I think it is the issue of, uh, of, 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 of domestic inequality, of social stability that we actually have to, to, to deal with. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that people actually have to resort to crime, you know, because of unemployment. You know, but I'm saying that what we are facing in as far as the extortion mafias are concerned, it, it, it's a symptom, you know, it, 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 it's not the root, you know. Yes, sometimes apparently there are policemen involved in some of this. One was arrested recently, so it wasn't the first time, being involved in driving his own GT7 Golf, uh, but with police being material inside, they're being involved in some kind of assault or robbery. Yeah, and and, 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 yeah, and, and earlier on, I think you touched on it on my article, you know, you wrote about, you, you rather you spoke about, you know, this global initiative against transnational organization crime, GITOC, mm -hmm. which has really painted a horrific picture of South Africa. You know, it ranks South Africa as, as number five in Africa, you know, in its index of organized crime, and we are rated 19 globally, you know, so tell me then when we're trying to position ourselves as an investment destination when we have when we rank so high you know mm. on the issue of crime how do we actually you know get this right you know so i really think that you know the the, the rising use of extortion tactics you know in south africa is really becoming you know a, a, a problematic you know it is really an act of economic sabotage and unfortunately, there are very little consequences at the moment. It's you gangster know, land. So that is gangster land. So no, it's just a free state. We are going to become a mafia state if we are actually not careful. That Can we recover? Can we, do you think we need a benevolent dictator? Some someone like Paul Kagame. I use no. I'm not his fan at all. Okay, but somebody like will come and say, you know what? This is how it's going to run for five years. But then this danger. Do you need? Or do you think our democratic? well-being will help us get out of this mess because everybody thinks they have the right to do what they want people rob we we've become a, a country of videographers i don't know how many videos videos we've seen of south africans filming someone being robbed someone being hit someone being they done this and that we don't interfere we just do the video and share but we are collectively watching south africa being balkanized by mafias by criminal gangs when we're talking about it on social media but nobody's doing anything about it 
so we need political will. You know, we need political will to set this country right. We need political will to intervene in a matter that, in a manner that South Africa needs to be intervened on. We need political will, which is actually going to put a hard hand, you know, in terms of dealing, you know, with some of these things. We need political will to, we need political will and we need leadership, you know, uh, which is actually going to drive South Africa to where it actually needs to go. And, uh, you know, whether that is a benevolent dictator, yeah. whatever we need okay. political will and we need leadership. I know that we should finish now. We've taken a lot of your time. And I know that you will not say it, I will say it. I think that South Africa is lying on the ground with a with the, the knee of the African National Congress on its neck. For us, South Africa will not stand up again until the knee gets lifted so that it can breathe and hopefully start walking again. That is my view. What are your last words to my viewers, to your viewers, to the people of South Africa and to the business economy? Look, I think we have spoken about a lot of things. You have touched on absolutely everything. You know, we need to get South Africa to be functioning again. We need to get those reforms, you know, to actually be implemented. You know, we need investment to come through into the country. We need to get our economy growing at the right levels. You know, we need to deal with the high levels of unemployment. We need to give people hope again. We need to give people, you know, a stake in our economy. You've got way too many people who are not meaningfully participating in the economic mainstream. And we've got a responsibility, you know, to to usher that in, you know, to give people that hope again. It cannot be right that we're experiencing the levels of brain drain that we're experiencing because people don't see hope, you know, in staying in South Africa. And our role as leaders, business, government, civil society, and labor alike is to look at how we usher that South Africa that can actually offer people hope. This is Mavuso, CEO of Business Leadership South Africa. I have much admiration for you. Thank you for making the time. Keep, keep walking, but please take care of your health. Don't forget to take care of your health. I will. Thank you, Soli. Very good to talk to you again. Can't wait to see you when you come down. <laughs> I'll be back home soon. I will return. They haven't hounded me out forever. <laughs> I know, I know. Have, have a lovely day further. Thank you, same okay. to you. Bye-bye. Right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Busisuga Mabuso. Mavuso, she's the CEO of Business Leadership South Africa, one of the most outstanding women who speaks truth to power. She looks the beast in the eyes and she says what needs to be said. If you've come this far in this conversation, it's because you like this this channel and you, you, you obviously found it really interesting. I would like you to please continue subscribing, get others to do so share it further on your platforms and for those of you who have some money to 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 advertise on worldview please write to us at worldview.help at gmail.com solimwe at worldview thank you bye-bye